Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of Veterans Path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness and meditation and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Today, I'm honored to have as my guests, brother and sister team, Tom Boss, and Rebecca Wynn. Tom served on active duty in the Army for three years from 2003 to 2000. In October of 2004, after 20 months of training with his unit, Tom was deployed to Mosul, Iraq to support Operation Iraqi Freedom. While in Iraq, Tom was proud to participate in hundreds of combat missions, convoys, security patrols, raids, area clearance operations, and humanitarian relief operations, including providing security for the first democratic elections in Iraq since the invasion. Tom separated from the Army in 2006 with an honorable discharge. After returning home, Tom struggled with reintegration and was diagnosed with PTSD in 2008. After being pushed to the brink of suicide, Tom knew he had to do something to help himself heal. In 2013, he teamed up with fellow combat veteran Anthony Anderson to plan and execute a 2,700-mile trek from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Los Angeles, California. This journey was captured on film by Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker Michael Collins. The film was entitled Almost Sunrise and was nominated for an Emmy. For his work empowering veterans to overcome moral injury, Tom has been featured in the New York Times, Newsweek, National Geographic Adventure, Men's Health, USA Today, Fox News, the Chicago Tribune, and others. Rebecca is a speaker, an author, travel writer, and digital content strategist. She and Tom co-authored Where War Ends, a combat veteran's 2,700-mile journey to heal, recovering from PTSD and moral injury through meditation. Where War Ends is a memoir of Tom's 2,700-mile journey across America to heal the wounds of war after coming home from combat. Rebecca has her own blog, thehappypassport.com, an inspirational travel blog for solo female travelers. As the creator of thehappypassport.com, she was featured in USA Today and US News and World Report. Rebecca's writing has also been published in the Military Times, Mamma Mia magazine, Le Ecran Fantastique, 
not sure if I pronounced that wrong right, and Truvos magazine. Her Medium article, An Open Letter from Your Shittiest Friend, was selected as Editor's Pick 2016 by Medium staff. <laughs> all right, I'm out of breath after reading all that. So I'm super excited to get into the show, and we're going to learn a lot more about Tom and Rebecca here soon on the Veterans Path podcast. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guests today are brother and sister co-authors, Tom Boss and Rebecca Wynn. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honor. I'm really excited about the show. Uh, you guys have uh, a phenomenal background uh, that I'll inject later because as I was covering just before the, the I hit the record button here, uh, you guys have a ton to share with us, share with our listeners, and uh, I'm very excited. So I have to admit that this is my first uh, joint podcast. Uh, so I'm, I'm shooting from the hip here. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We may step on one another a few times through the show, but uh, I know that with the uh, the book kind of tour that you guys have been on, it's probably happened a few times for you guys that you've been on uh, side-by-side podcasts or side-by-side interviews. So you probably have it down to a science. So hopefully I won't screw that up. Um, so first off, um, it is, let's see what, March 20, no, March 30th, something like that, I think. Um, how are you guys doing in this crazy time that we're in? Um, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I, I'm really kind of keeping an eye on what's going on uh, mental health wise in the in the veterans community and just trying to keep pay attention to that. And I've done a few interviews going on about what's going on in the veterans community during these times in, in regards to mental health. And, you know, just keeping in mind that, you know, a lot of veterans rely on support groups and um, a lot of family members have loved ones that are deployed still. Um, that are going to be kind of stuck. And I think that the, the number was around 90,000 uh, troops Sheesh. deployed that are going to be kind of stuck in place and um, their families are just kind of left, um, you know, uh, they're just left separated. So it, as far as mental health goes, that's something I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to as well. Great. Yeah. And that's definitely an aspect that a lot of people don't think about it or those folks who've been deployed and, uh, you know, both they and their family have been looking forward to their being reunited and, and now they're right. not being reunited. Uh, so that can be uh, a burden uh, mentally and physically, especially, I mean, if you're deployed and, and uh, now you're not really working as much. Now you have a right. whole lot of time on your hands. Um, that's, that's tough. So, uh, yeah, I can't even imagine. I, I, I remember always when I was on deployment having a countdown like a little pie graph that showed how far you were into the deployment and how close you were to getting home. And uh, if I had to suddenly double that pie graph at the very end, uh, wow. So, yeah. So uh, what about you, Rebecca? How are you doing? Doing well, um, staying safe, washing hands and, and feeling very grateful to still be working and still have a job and to have the ability to work from home when so, when so many others can't or don't and, and trying to balance sort of the, the internal experience um, and keeping keeping myself and my kids grounded and, and health, healthy with also a sense of wanting to help and feeling a strong sense of concern and, and fear and you know all the emotions that are probably really appropriate to be feeling right now. I mean, this is, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. My parents told me they've never experienced anything like it in their lifetime. So I feel like we're kind of living through history and I'm, I'm really grateful to have some of the tools that Tom has shared with me, breathing techniques and meditation and ways to, to stay grounded and not completely freak out. 
Yeah, excellent. Well, that's uh, that's definitely something I want to get into later in the show. Is is you know how that sharing of meditation came to be. Um, Tom, I obviously want to get into how you found that down the down the line, but I'm I'm going to back it up quite a bit here um, to your guys' kind of childhood. What's your what's your family makeup and dynamic? Who's older? Or is it just the two of you guys as kids? Uh, what's what's that look like? Yeah, go ahead, Rebecca. As the eldest, you can you can uh, <laughs> yeah. you can go first. Yeah, I am the eldest. Uh, two, we're two and a half years apart. I'm the big sister, and he's the little brother, which he towers over me. So it's kind of <laughs> you have a little brother who's bigger than you. Um, and yeah, it's the two of us. We grew up in a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin with our mom and dad in a, in a town of about 60,000 people um, and had a pretty, a pretty wonderful childhood, a safe childhood with parents that were home and cared about us and took us to sports practices and went to public schools. Um, what else can I say, Tom? What did I miss? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the other thing that's important that we kind of highlight in our, in our book too is that we come from a, a family of service. So. Uh, my you know, father was a longtime social worker, and my mother is a, a teacher as well. And then uh, my grandfathers uh, both served during World War II and then went on to um, help in their communities, one becoming a judge, another one becoming a pharmacist. So um, that's really ingrained in us, too, as well, is to, to really understand that, you know, we come from a family and we were raised that way to, to understand that, you know, the reason why we're here is to help other people. And um, I think very early on, that was a, a lesson that I think Rebecca and I, you know, both understood that there are less fortunate people out there than us. And then we have the capacity to help that we should help when we can. Right on. Yeah. I think that's huge is identifying your, your why early. As a matter of fact, my last interview, I had a, an army, a former army or retired army ranger, Lieutenant Colonel. And he was saying the same thing as he identified his why as he was getting out, as he was transitioning out and realized that his why was that bigger why of serving others. And now he's kind of in the nonprofit space. And similar for me is as I'm going through my military transition, it's, it's uh, critical to identify why it is you do what you do. So uh, I love that you guys have that sense of service. So what about uh, growing up? Did you guys have any type of sibling rivalries between the two of you? I don't know if it was so much of a sibling rivalry. What it was more of a, like you know annoying little brother, right? Kind of, kind of a situation going on. But I mean, you know, looking at looking back on it, there was never there was never any kind of like intense um, um, rivalries that that we really had. We were kind of uh, in our own different worlds. I, I would think, at least from my perspective. I don't know if Rebecca, you wanna you wanna do that. But, um, you know, we both were in sports and we're, you know, a few years apart. So, um, you know, my sister would be, you know, transitioning into, you know, middle school or transitioning to high school. So we had like a little bit of a separation there to where, um, you know, we had kind of had separate lives that way. Got it. Got it. Rebecca, you got any uh, insight on that? Is it any different from what Tom shared? No, I think, I think it's right on. I think it seemed like we got along better the older we got and the more we had in common um, as we got into high school and we could sort of commiserate together like, oh, mom and dad won't let us do that. And sort of, I think for me, that was sort of a bonding when we both got past that, you know, don't take my toys, don't touch my stuff, you're annoying me to 
to you know becoming more of who we are as adults and to and to to connect on on some of the you know the the angst of being a teenager sure sure yeah i've got um a three-year-old little girl and a one-year-old little boy so they're about uh the same difference as you guys are so this is promising to hear to me that, <laughs> that you guys got along through your uh through your childhood and and that you guys obviously still get along i mean co-writing a book together can't be uh can't be too easy if you don't get along so um, yeah, over to Rebecca. Uh, I wanted to touch on your blog that you started, and uh, it's you know it's a travel blog for the single or not single but solo traveling woman. Um, how did you get started on that? What what inspired you to do that? Yeah, I actually had the opportunity before I had children to to travel as as part of work. I was a freelance writer for a long time and a, and a content digital content consultant. So I got a gig writing a writing a series, ghostwriting a series of travel guides. And I I said to my client, why don't you I just I didn't even think too much about it, which is funny because you know the things you don't think twice about are the things that end up changing your life. I said, well what if you just you know pay me up front instead of paying me you know, in the middle or at the end of the project, then I'll use that money and I'll actually go to the places I'm writing about instead of just researching them Nice from afar. And he said, oh, sure. He just said yes. And I said, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to go. <laughs> um, but I had, you know, I, I worked from wherever I happened to be and I, and I had gotten out of a relationship and I had, I felt like I had nothing, um, you know, that was forcing me to to stay where I was in Los Angeles and I and I had always wanted to travel and hadn't had the opportunity so I said let's do it so I went to I went to Nepal I went to to Laos Vietnam Cambodia Thailand and when I was finished with the project I was continuing to to work the whole time I, it wasn't vacation it was you know you know six eight hours a day working and writing but I but I had more flexibility and then I got I got to travel and, and see see the world and I, I kept going and I, I think um, if I hadn't had children I probably would have still kept going so that's now my dream on the other side when they're in high school or whatever that I'm gonna get back on the road there you go um, where'd you go in Nepal I've been to Nepal as well I'm just curious where you Kathmandu. went yeah I, I flew into Kathmandu so I spent a little bit of time in Kathmandu and then I spent about three weeks in Pakhara in the west yeah the, Little town looks like the sound of music. Looks like the Alps, the mountains around a beautiful lake. Um, where were you? Uh, we also flew into Kathmandu. I guess that's basically the only option. And then we went up into the hills uh, to two villages. One called uh, Gatlong, and the other was Nessing. Um, you, you could see, obviously, the Himalayas. I mean, we were in the Himalayas, but you could see uh, Everest off in the distance. And um, and we were there on a church mission trip uh, and and a medical mission trip. And it's funny because. You know, I'm I'm a veteran or a military service member at the time when I traveled, and uh, the you know everybody else has some type of medical training. They're like, "Well, what do you do uh, medical wise?" And I'm like, "Well, uh, I don't know. I'm a military member, so I've got some battlefield medical training." And they're like, "Well, uh, so you you're used to blood. You could why don't you be uh, our assistant dentist?" Uh, so <laughs> I spent several weeks in the in the hills there in Nepal cranking on people's teeth because I mean that they're uh, it's not like we're doing fillings up there right so we're just yanking teeth uh, in the middle of the mountains living on the side of the mountains in tents uh, it was incredible um, but yeah I, I think I've got that same uh, wanderlust that you have 
in that there's just so much of this world to be seen. And my wife and I, when I retired here in August from the military, we're jumping in our RV and we're, we're going to plan right now anyway, with our two little ones is to spend six to 12 months uh, touring the country and just seeing parts of this country that we've never had the opportunity to see. So that's another whole episode that we could talk through. So we, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop right there. Um, but uh, when you guys were younger uh, as a family, uh, did you guys do a lot of traveling? Because Tom, with, with your trek that we'll get into here shortly, it's, I mean, it seems like traveling is something that's very important to the two of you. Uh, did, did some of your traveling when you were younger, is that what inspired you to get out and see the world? Yeah, I, I think our parents really tried, um, you know, annually to have a, a vacation of sorts. And, you know, you know, growing up, we would go to Florida, Disneyland, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, um, our family has a um, uh, cabin up in northern Wisconsin. So we would go there very regularly um, to connect with nature and, and do that. So, yeah, traveling was something that um, we were fortunate enough to, um, you know, participate in growing up. Nice. Nice. So, Tom, you were in the Army from 2003 to 2006. A couple of questions for you. Uh, first off, what inspired you to join the Army? And then while you were in the Army, what were some challenges that you faced uh, while you were in? And, uh, and then again, as you transitioned out of uniform? Yeah, so joining, um, you know, some of the reasons behind that was my grandfather was a Marine Corps veteran, uh, fought on Iwo Jima. He was a second lieutenant when he uh, deployed to um, Iwo Jima. And um, so, you know, observing him growing up, um, understanding that, you know, serving your country and, you know, coming from a family of service, that was someone that I really looked up to. Um, and then afterwards, you know, he went on to uh, become a judge and then, um, I think he volunteered for at least four or five different veteran service organizations. Um, so he, I think he made a real, you know, a point um, to to um, highlight how how, how important services. Um, so that was like one of the main reasons of joining. Also, you know, support for school. Um, that was something that um, you know I felt that I could do and help um, with. Um, you know, paying my way for school as well. And uh, what was the second part of the question? Could you some some of the challenges? Sure, some of the challenge that challenge. Uh, excuse me, challenges that you faced while you were in, and then again yeah. as you start started to hang up the uniform and transition out. Yeah, um, one of the one of the challenges that that I I think a lot of service members go through is um, um, inconsistent or poor leadership, and this was something that I ran into a lot where you had, um, you know, whether, you know, it's someone getting promoted to sergeant, you are like, how in the world did that person get promoted to sergeant, right? And now they're, they're calling shots and telling, you know, people what to do and all that kind of stuff. So this, this has been kind of a theme in my, in, in my life is just, you know, running into, you know, poor leadership, but, it, but it's always shown me how to actually treat people and how to actually get things done um, in, in a more, um, uh, effective way, I think. And, and I'm, I'm really actually grateful for all those experiences in the military where I've ran into poor leadership because it shows how 
not to not to do it because you can see it live in action and you can you can really um you know and i'm sure this you know extends out to the corporate world as well as is when you're in you know you're stuck in these situations where it's either a manager or a boss or someone you don't get along with or you know you have to find a way to get around that kind of stuff and this is extremely valuable life lessons and how to deal with someone um, that might not see you see eye to eye with. Um, right. So these, these are a lot of the challenges, I think, the military. The other thing, too, is, you know, uh, coming from Wisconsin, Midwestern, you know, we're pretty conflict averse with everything. Everyone's so kind and really <laughs> goes out of their way to be kind to people. Right. And if you're not from there and you come there, you're, you're suspicious because you're like, what a rock. <laughs> right. So, you know, coming out of there, you know, I learned a lot about uh, conflict as well, because I mean, you know, going into basic training, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia, and right away, you know, you're hitting the face with conflict. So <clears throat> that's another thing I was really grateful for. Um, my military service was another challenge, but, you know, being faced with conflict um, on a regular basis, um, that I think is, is really helpful, because, you know, coming from a, um, a space of, of non-conflict, um, you know, was, was something that, that really prepared me. And then, and then transitioning out, um, you know, losing all the structure um, that you've learned to thrive in. And I joined when I was 19. So outside of that, you know, I didn't really have, um, you know, an idea of, you know, simple things that a lot of people don't know, like, you know, paying your taxes or like, you know, all these different things, ma money management, all these different things that, now we're resting on my shoulders, right? I wasn't getting a, you know, a paycheck coming in automatically. Uh, my food wasn't being taken care of, all these different things. My housing wasn't being taken care of. So like, how do I, you know, transition into this uh, new world where I have to take more responsibility for myself? And um, on top of that, I had a, I had a pretty difficult deployment um, to Mosul in uh, 2004 to 2005 as an infantry soldier. So you know, dealing with the loss of my friends, dealing, you know, seeing, you know, civilian casualties, um, all the things that come with war on top of trying to manage your own uh, life. And now you're trying to manage your own mind and stress and all this stuff. So I think a lot of the, the challenges that, that I face, a lot of military men and women face coming out and you do the best that you can do with what you have and what you know. Um, and for me at that time, that was, you know, using, using alcohol to self-medicate, uh, eventually prescription medications that I ended up, um, abusing down the road and, um, you know, just doing whatever I could to try to, um, find some sort of normalcy, uh, in life after, after my military experience. So you're, you were self-medicating with prescription drugs, you're self-medicating with alcohol, um, were those prescription drugs uh, drugs that the military had prescribed to you, or is that something that had been prescribed from civilian doctors on the outside? Yeah, that that was that was through um, the VA. So I mean, okay. it took it took me about two years to even go in and and ask for help. And you know, we kind of talk about this in the in the memoir, but you know, Rebecca played a big role in that. And if if she wouldn't have spoken up, or if she wouldn't have said maybe you should go talk to someone, I would have just continued down this path and probably would not have been here um, today. Wow. Uh, so so it's really uh, important that you know sometimes when we have these tough conversations, um, you know they may be uncomfortable for a little while. Um, someone might be upset with someone else, but at the end of the day, you don't know what kind of like nudge that put someone on a different trajectory, right? 
Right. So of course I was still, you know, reeling and, and, you know, dealing with post-traumatic stress and moral injury and all these different things. And, um, you know, I was, I was kind of put into the, uh, the VA system to where I was prescribed many different medications, but, you know, I, I wasn't, um, I still wasn't, um, taking responsibility for my own healing. Um, so I was still self-medicating now I'm like, okay, now I have ambient. Now I can take some ambient and go out drinking with my buddies. Right. Oh, now yeah. let's get really bad combo. Yeah. Just blackout. Yeah. So, so, you know, it takes, it takes a while to recognize, um, where you're at, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to recognize it when you're in the midst of a, uh, of the storm. Right. And sometimes, you know, you get those brief, uh, moments in the eye of the storm where there's a little bit of calmness where you can say, Oh, you know, what, what is becoming of my life? Is this who I want to be? Is this, you know, the life I want to live and start asking yourself these kinds of questions, um, is a really good place to start. Sure. And, and you mentioned Rebecca helping you out with that. Uh, I want to ask over to Rebecca sure. uh, a couple of things. One, what were you seeing in Tom that, uh, had you actually approach him about getting help? And then two, what, what did you recommend he do? I have to think back. Um, and I, I think my memory of that time was when he came back, he just, he seemed like a, a different person, sort of like a light had gone out. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I knew that he was drinking more than he used to, or that he was unhappy and I sensed it. And, but, but, it was tricky because it wasn't so overt that, that it was like, Oh wow, as a family, we need to have an intervention. I think, you know, Tom probably kept so much inside and didn't share what he was really feeling. And, and probably also, you know, hid the extent of the drinking. I think I didn't find out about a lot of that until later when we were working on the book. And I, you know, I wonder about a lot of well veterans, but you know, just people in general who, you know, we don't talk about this stuff, you know, like we're taught to sort of, be independent and and take care of ourselves and don't bother other people with your problems and and you know so what what can happen then is that people are just they're they feel so isolated and they're suffering in silence because they don't want to hurt their family or they don't want to hurt their loved ones um and i i i was suggesting that that he get some professional help to talk to someone you know and i don't think that i felt that i could necessarily help and i I was um, always very mindful that I couldn't understand what he had been through. Even if I could understand feelings like depression or feelings like anxiety, I couldn't share that experience of war. And I, and I knew that. And so I remember that he, he told me, kind of made a deal and he said, well, I'll, I'll go talk to someone, but it, has, it, it needs to be a combat veteran. So then <laughs> I think he probably said that to me because he thought I couldn't find anyone <laughs> who was a combat veteran. <laughs> setting up the barriers for sure <laughs> uh but i but i um i was i think i was pretty determined or maybe i was just maybe there's that where that sibling rival rivalry comes in because i i did my research and i did find someone i found a, a clinical social worker who was also an iraq war combat veteran and and so then he was sort of forced to go but the the day of the first appointment I went to pick him up to take him to the appointment and he um, he was home, but he wouldn't come out of his room, which, you know, to me sort of told me, well, we really do need to be, he really does need to be going. So he, I think he'd been out drinking and um, was hungover, but also just really, you know, 
in a, in a really, in a bad place, you know, in an, sure. I don't want to get out of bed type place. Um, but there was something, there was something in me that, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know what kind of um, universal guidance or divine guidance or what, whatever it was, but I, as Tom said, we're not, we're not a very confrontational family. So it never, it wouldn't have been normal for me to have pushed back. If he had said, I don't want to go to this appointment, I think typically I would have said, oh, well, okay, and just left. But for some reason that I, you know, I can't explain. Because you're a, big, I, a, a good big sister, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it, it, you know, it felt like, it didn't even feel like it was me, really. It felt like something was keeping me there, and I knew I had to stay, and I knew I had to wait till he, and keep knocking on the window, knocking on the door, and just keep saying, come on, we got to go, we got to go. And it, I think it, how long was it, Tom? At least an hour of that. I don't know. I was hungover. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> eventually, yeah, eventually he got in the car and eventually he, but see, there's, that's what's so, I think, um, incredible about those kinds of moments in our lives where there's something driving it. There's something driving me to not give up and to stay. And then there's something that, what, what is it that got him out of bed? Yeah. So he got out of bed and he put on his shoes and he, he came out and we went, got in the car and, and that's the moment I might be jumping ahead, but that's the moment to me that I want to share with others who feel in a dark place with no hope, because even in those dark places, <clears throat> you can be lifted up. It's possible. That's why Tom said, that's why he's, he's here today and can talk to us today. Sure. Yeah. So Tom, now Rebecca's got you out of bed and she's got you to go into that first appointment. What, what was that first appointment? Was that uh, talk counseling or did, was that, did, is that when you got introduced to meditation? Yeah, that was, uh, I went to a vet center. So I went and saw a clinical social worker. Um, and that, that, was, um, that was the first time that I'd done anything like that. And then that was the, the process that began to get me enrolled in the VA healthcare system. So this was two years after, uh, about two years after I had uh, separated uh, active duty, okay. uh, you know, so it's just, you know, two years of, um, you know, grinding it out really, and not really talking about anything that had happened, um, during my deployment. And, um, so meditation didn't really come, um, until, um, it, it was something that I was always interested in, um, more of, um, you know, being fascinated with monks and, um, you know, people who devote their lives to, you know, spirituality or, or their own religion or whatever it may be. Um, and um, so that is something that I was always interested in, in me uh, growing up, but I, I didn't really, um, I wasn't really open to that fact because I think, you know, being in the infantry and having that training, you know, the, the training itself is really kind of detrimental to self-exploration because we're not, we're not trained to worry about ourselves, right? It's all external, yeah. right? It's, it's, you're going to jump on a grenade for your friend and you're like, okay, I do that. And it's never, it's, it's never, um, am I okay? How am I doing? You know, how, you know, am I able to handle this, all this kind of stuff? You just, you know, stuff it down and you drive on as they say. And, um, you know, if you're injured, take some ibuprofen, drink some water, go ahead, you know, keep going. So yeah. it's really, um, you know, that was really ingrained in me to the, to the point of, of, um, 
now, now I'm out. I'm like, why, you know, why am I adhering to this now that I'm out and I'm not taking care of myself and there's no one else, you know, externally that, that I can really take care of. And, um, um, so that's, you know, why, why I think I started working uh, a lot in veteran nonprofit and, and in that sphere, um, as well. And, and at what, what point did somebody say, Hey, I, I I think you need to try meditation or is that something that you just went back and did on your own based on the interest yeah. that you had in it? Yeah. So the meditation happened when we started uh, trekking across the country. Um, I, uh, I took an intro course, I think before I left and just kind of just to see what it was all about. Um, just kind of peeking around. And then I uh, actually took an actual like course course. So it was a four day um, we're going to give you a mantra and, and tell, show you all the, the aspects of meditation and what it is and what it isn't and all these different things. Um, and that was in, in Colorado, um, Colorado Springs area. As we're where, walking. Uh, that's where Veterans Path is based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and, and both Anthony and I, is a, he's the veteran I walked across the country with, um, um, we're, we're open to it. And we, uh, we brought along a couple other veterans that we had met in um, as we were walking across the country and uh, we learned uh, these meditation techniques and then and then from there um, we started practicing it on and off as we were walking across the country and um, started playing around with it more and and um, it, it really didn't become a discipline for me until uh, finishing the trek and uh, taking a taking a workshop um, uh, it was a, a four or five day workshop in Aspen, Colorado, um, okay. that, um, a nonprofit put on that, that I ended up taking. And, um, then I understood that, you know, not all discipline is bad. You know, that's one of the things that I kind of threw out, um, with my military experience is, you know, I'm not shit, clearly not shaving, clearly, you know, not, <laughs> not, <laughs> you know, right. Getting haircuts, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, and, and when we went out with that was, uh, was exercise and, um, these things that are actually really beneficial for me because, you know, my, in my mind, there's a lot of like, uh, you know, get up at 5 AM and then, you know, hungover or not, you're running, you're running three to five miles. So get used to it. So, um, you know, and, and being young and not mature enough to recognize that, that these are, are actual benef beneficial, uh, tools that you can use in your life to help support yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, we're, we're all we have. So the, the more tools that we have, you know, the better off that we are. So, so meditation, you know, became a tool for me after, you know, I went through that workshop because it was one of the only things that, that I found uh, as far as therapies. And this is just my, my experience as far as therapies go, um, that actually gave me some kind of rest and relief um, from, you know, what I was feeling inside. So I knew, I knew right away from, from, from that experience of knowing like, wow, I feel rested, I actually had a good night's night's sleep, which hadn't happened in years. Um, and I knew that, um, there was something behind it. And the only way that I would find out what that would be was to continue to practice. And, you know, you know, when you start practicing meditation, it's extremely difficult because, you know, at that point I couldn't even sit with myself for five minutes um, because my mind was so agitated and still thinking about things from the past and things that I hadn't addressed and, you know, survivor's guilt and grief and shame and all these different things that were um, associated with my deployment and my military experience and 
um, you know, just being a, a, a human being um, in this day and age, you know, there's so much that we've experienced and gone through and fights and um, all these uh, negative experiences. So it was something that was challenging to me, but, you know, the, the, someone, one of my teachers told me that, you know, regardless of how you feel the meditation goes, um, it doesn't matter because you're still getting the benefits regardless of how you think it went. Right. right so you, right. Like, Oh, that was a terrible meditation <laughs> session, but like from a physiological, you know, nervous, nervous system standpoint, you know, your body is gaining benefits. So it took me a while to, to really figure it out and really understand that this was something that I needed to incorporate into my life. That's awesome, man. That's uh, what a crazy story. Uh, and I want to, I want to get more into the track, uh, here in a bit. But uh, I also want to ask Rebecca, uh, as far as your, your being introduced to meditation, I, I, if I understand correctly, from Tom, how did, how did that happen? And what does your practice look like? Yeah, I think I had probably, um, I'd, I'd definitely done some yoga on my own, and I'd probably done some guided meditation or relaxation, but, but Tom really introduced me to, to more structured uh, breathing practices and more formalized, more disciplined uh, practice. And it's, it's been, it's been so incredible to have those tools uh, um, just to have, even, you know, think of uh, during a time like this, when we're going through a global, a global crisis together as an entire planet to know that you have something that you can kind of lean on and fall back on to keep yourself from, like I said before, to keep yourself from panicking. Um, even if you're not, you don't have a chance to, to meditate uh, as often as you'd like to, to know that you have that tool is such a gift because it, when you don't, it can just feel, you feel so out of control or like you have absolutely no control over your own emotions or your own reactions. And it's like meditation sort of gives you back to yourself in that way. And you have, you start to, have this internal experience as a as a big part of your reality. So what's going on inside your mind and what's going on inside your you know, um, if you you think of it as you know your psyche or your emotions or your soul or your spirit, whatever you want to call it, um, starting to discover that that side of yourself and having the outside world be one aspect of your existence, one piece of the pie, and becoming really interested in what's going on in the internal landscape. Yeah, absolutely. I love that giving yourself back to yourself as uh, yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right, you know, and and giving yourself permission to do that too. I, I think that's uh, that's in, incredibly important. So, um, the the 2700 mile trek. So, I, I actually was under the impression that uh, you were a meditator and that's what inspired you to do the trek, but it's, it seems yeah. like it's a, the other way around. What inspired you to do that trek? And, and, and then how did you choose your path and what it was you did? I mean, what would, and yeah. then, and then how did it become a film? Yeah. So, you know, I was in an incredibly low place and this was even after, after going, going to therapy and, um, doing all these different, um, you know, clinical modalities and, and medications and all these types of things. And I knew that, um, you know, this, this really wasn't working for me. And I knew that, and at that point we had lost, I think two, um, 
uh, two people from our platoon either to suicide or complications um, from their deployment um, mm. after we've gotten back. So um, I knew that, um, you know, that was, you know, something that was on the table for me. Unfortunately, it was something I was starting to think more and more about, you know, how can I live um, every day like this, thinking about horrible thoughts um, of the things I've, I've seen and done and, um, you know, witnessing other people, um, you know, all these different things that were, you know, bouncing around my mind at that time. Um, so I knew that um, what was, whatever was going on in my life at that point wasn't it. Um, and, and it, you know, wasn't sustainable, um, at the, as much as I was drinking, wasn't sustainable. Um, you know, and just from a, from a health perspective, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't working out. So I knew that if I was going to change something, it had to be an extreme change. And again, it was, you know, I was with my sister when, when I first, you know, popped into my head that I needed to walk, you know, across the country. And I had a buddy that, um, I served with who was in our, uh, who was in our sniper team that, um, would always give me, give me a hard time about living in Wisconsin and he lived in Southern California. So he'd always <laughs> be like, yeah, it's, the weather's great out here. You know, why don't you come visit? <laughs> you know, it took him years, you know, years of saying that. And then I, you know, just decided that, you know, I'm just going to walk out to see Emmett, my buddy. And, um, he's also featured in the documentary a little bit, but, um, you know, just go and see him and reconnect and walking's gonna gonna give me the time to kind of process um my experience of war because at that time i didn't have uh any really time to, to process you know you think about going to therapy you go for a half hour an hour session once a week maybe twice a week maybe yeah. you know that's you know two hours out of a whole week of hours right so it's like you can you make little incremental you know, you know, progress like that. But for me, I was like, that's not, it's not enough. Fast enough. Like, um, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to be in this cycle for the rest of my life. If I don't do something, um, to really change, um, that experience. And I knew that removing myself from my environment, which is, you know, getting out of the military, got a full-time job, went to start going to school full-time, had to get an apartment, you know, all these different things that I, I, I started to use to, um, cover up what I was feeling inside. So, um, I knew that I needed to process it to make sense of it. Cause one, you don't have the time while you're deployed to, to think of anything really, except for the mission at hand and staying alive. And that's really the, the important, um, things, uh, of when you're deployed, there's no luxury of like, Hmm, how did this, how did this mission make me feel today? Like, let's go chat, you know, like, <laughs> so, so really, um, I knew that, you know, by removing myself out of that environment, which was like, okay, I just got to like quiet the, you know, the outside noise of all these, um, you know, things that are being asked of me, whether it's work or school or, you know, all these things, because that was, you know, delaying my understanding of my deployment um, in, a, in a not healthy way. Um, so the, the trek across the country was kind of my final attempt to really make sense of what I experienced and, um, um, try to make sense of, of, uh, my, my new worldview and what, what that looks like and who I am as a person and, um, trying to forgive myself and trying to forgive other people, um, 
um, based off of you know my past actions and and in deployment and all those different things. So um, it it really uh, you know was that or suicide. So that's how I saw it, and that's what the options were. I'm like, if I continue down this path, I'm just going to end up you know killing myself. Um, so you know there there was you know I had to give it one last shot, and, yeah. and that's that was it. Oh, I mean, that's uh, definitely the right choice, what you, what you took. I mean, given, given what you were dealing with, obviously, um, and definitely looking forward to watching the documentary. I mean, what, again, what an incredible story. And, uh, and I mean, it sounds like uh, we've all seen it. Forrest Gump, you know, he's just sitting there on the porch and he's just like, uh, I, I decided to go running. And then, and then all these other yeah. people start following him. And they're like, this guy right. really gets it. Well, you really get it, Tom. So I'm, I'm glad that you did the trek. Um, and how did it, how did it come, uh, how did it come to be a film? I mean, uh, yeah. how was that found out and Hey, you know what, I'm going to turn this into a documentary. Yeah. So we were approached by a independent filmmaker, uh, based out of New York city. Um, and, and he had just found out that, um, he just found out the suicide rate and of veterans. And at that time, this is in 2013, um, so he's found out that, you know, 22 veterans a day were taking their own lives and he was just floored by that. He's like, how do, how do we not know this? He's like, how yeah. did I not know this? How do people not know this, um, that this is happening that, you know, today it's, you know, one and a half times the, the suicide rate of the general population. So, um, so he reached out to, to my friend Anthony and, and said, Hey, I, I, he stumbled across a fundraiser that we were doing on uh, Indiegogo um, oh, okay. at that time to raise funds so we could actually, you know, pay bills while we're, we're trekking across the country to help heal. And we kind of turned it into an awareness campaign for veterans issues. So we were talking about post-traumatic stress at the time and um, challenges that many returning veterans are facing. Um, and, and then he, you know, approached us and said, I, I think, you know, this would be a great, a great film. So he was approaching it as, you know, I don't know what's going to happen um, as you guys, you know, trek across the country, but I want to, you know, I want to join you on that experience. So, um, you know, and for us, it, it was, uh, you know, initially we're like, okay, well, we initially started to do this to heal and now we have to do an awareness campaign and we did a fundraiser on top of that. And now we're having a film um, crew come to follow us too. So we were, we were like, ah, like how is this going to change the experience of, of everything? But they were very mindful and very, um, understanding of what we were trying to accomplish and what we were trying to do. And, you know, they gave us space when we needed a space and, um, they, they, they came out for about 10 days at a time and would film and then they would go back, fly back to New York, fundraise, and then come back out again and, you know, go back and like make a little wow. and then use that to fundraise as they were going. So it was an amazing experience to watch them do their work while we were walking across the country and, you know, just seeing, you know, the ins and outs of, of how, how uh, documentary films are, were made. So it was pretty cool. Sure. How long did it end up taking you to do that whole 2,700 miles? Uh, it took us five months. Yeah. Around, wow. uh, around 155 days. And we did, uh, seven states. Um, so we go into um, a pretty good detail in the book about about uh, the challenges that we faced, and you know, internal and external. Um, you know, walking across the countries, uh, walking across the country. Sure. So back over to Rebecca. Um, as as a blogger and, and an author, did 
did you put the bug in Tom's ear that this should be a book? I think we have been talking about a book, gosh, a long time, more probably more than a decade. Um, as when we first, when Tom first came back from deployment, I think in those first couple of years, that was one of the ways that we could start to have conversations around what he experienced. And it wasn't a, it didn't feel like a really formalized thing. We didn't have an agent or a plan or a book proposal. It was just, you know, wow, you, you, you experienced some incredible things most people have no idea about. Maybe this is a book, like, can, can I ask you some questions about it? And we'll get a little tape recorder because it was before, even probably before smartphones existed. And, <laughs> And we'll get you know a proper tape recorder and we'll record some of these conversations because maybe this could be a book so i think that was the first um the first time we started talking about a book but it was really it was just a way it was a way to make it safe to have a conversation about things that can be difficult i think for a family to ask veterans about and maybe difficult for veterans to share so it's sort of to me it felt like it, it gave us permission to start having a conversation yeah, now I, I can only imagine that that conversation. I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a veteran myself, uh, but I've never really had a whole lot of people ask me some of the questions that I'm sure as a co-author for a book like this, you had to ask. So that actually leads into one of my next questions for the two of you, Tom first, from, from your side, um, how difficult was it to open up about things both in the film and then and then co-authoring the book with Rebecca. Yeah, I think it was challenging for me in the film to kind of open up and talk about it. And that's kind of apparent in the film um, because I was still processing uh, what it was and and what I experienced and how it impacted me. Um, so I was still trying to make sense of a lot of that during um, during the documentary. But after after um you know meditating and i think at that time when we started writing the book i had been i had a, a pretty devoted meditation practice for about three or three or four years before we decided we you know we got any traction on on writing the book and i think that time allowed me to really do a lot of like deep cleaning um deep inner work and to really understand myself and who i am and um, and who I'm not, most importantly, um, you know, a lot of these uh, things that are, are like moral injury, right, you know, wound of the soul really highlights who are not as people, right, and, and we really have, uh, you know, what, where our morality stands as, as human beings. And so it took me, it took me years of, of really, you know, reflecting and, and meditating on these experiences to really get into a place to where I could, one, um, express what I was feeling, but to um, put some verbiage around those feelings, which is, it was just challenging for, I think a lot of people is to be able to, um, to name what you're feeling can be really hard sometimes, but, um, and it's painful as well. So it's, it's, you know, one is challenging to express and two, it's, it's hard to go there. Sure. So these are really, um, uh, challenging experiences to kind of move through by yourself, but they're necessary to be able to, um, <clears throat> to be able to heal. Um, so I think, so I think I, I got into a better space of one where I could talk about the death of my friends without it throwing me for a loop for a whole week. You know, I got to a place of, of where I understood how it impacted me and I understood 
um, the feelings and emotions behind it and the why, you know, we were talking about that earlier. Why am I feeling this way? What's the, the, the deep rooted, uh, you know, expression of this. And a lot of the times we're looking at the symptoms, right? So we're looking at depression, anxiety, and all these things that are like, I have these, but they're coming from somewhere. They're stemming from something deeper. Right. Um, so, so unfortunately, you know, in our country, we like to treat the symptoms and just say, you know, you're, good luck, you know? <laughs> so, so <laughs> really, so really it's, it's, it's on us to do that extra, go the extra mile to find out, you know, why exactly we you know, where is this depression coming? Where is this anxiety coming from? Because when you find that, that spot, that's when you can release a lot of these things um, that from our past that have been um, agitating us, you know, to this day. All right, so uh, I want to flip that that last question around and I uh, turn it over to Rebecca. How was it for you both asking Tom to open up and then once he was sharing things with you, what was that like? It was so, it was eye-opening. It was very painful um, and difficult. It, there was layers, there was layers of pain. <laughs> I, I, I was fortunate that I could, I could take a, a month off between ending a one day job and starting another, another job, but just to focus on the book. And what was, what was most surprising was so, so just learning so much of what, what veterans are walking around with, you know, that they don't share with the rest of us. And then, you know, as a, as a civilian, you go through, you go through these feelings of guilt and I don't even know about this, let alone appreciate it because I didn't know. And then you go through, look at what, look at what these these brave men and women have done but then look at what they're continuing to do every day you know it, all the different ways they protect us by not sharing some of these terrible things that they've experienced and and carrying them on their own throughout their lives and look at what it does to them inside and their family on the outside and um and that in, in addition to combat experiences and things i had never heard before and things that i still can't fathom and never will understand but i but i got to understand a little bit more in order to help write it in order in order to help um unpack what happened and why it happened and and how it impacted uh, tom and it was um i i still can't quite describe what it feels like to hear about these things and i think what it did to me was was just make me realize the magnitude of the impact um, that it, that an experience of war can have on someone, because if it impacted me that much, just hearing about it, yeah. I can't even imagine what it would be like to actually have been there and to go through that and to carry that with you and how much it changes you. And um, I, you know, we hear that from some some folks who've read the book and give us feedback, and a lot of people just say, "I had no idea," and and for me, it's it's when we when we make the decision to send our our children in into combat um we're a lot of us you know myself included we're we're making that decision without understanding what we're sending them to and so i think it's just really important that if we're going to make that decision as a country we have to we have to understand as best we can not just the implications will they be safe will they come home but if they're if they're fortunate enough to come home, what are they going to be dealing with and carrying with for the rest of their lives? How does that impact our communities when they right. do? Yeah, absolutely. And the the communities, families, 
I mean, ultimately our nation, how does it affect everybody you know, around us? So uh, I'm curious, uh, I know you guys are starting to get short on time here, but uh, I, I've just got a few more questions for you and then I'll let you guys go. Um, how has that been for your, your guys' relationship, the two of you together? Has that uh, strengthened the bonds between brother and sister or how has that been? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's strengthened our relationship in the in the fact that you know I'm able to to be open and honest and direct um, about my experiences now and, and you know what I felt and the and the book and the collaboration had has really allowed me to do that not only um, to my own you know family but uh, to other people so you know the being open and honest with my sister, you know, translated into being open and honest with the, with the readership. So, you know, I think as a brother and sister, it brought us uh, a lot closer together because, you know, we, you know, we're both uh, adults now with our own lives and different things going on. And, you know, you see, you know, families growing up and, you know, there's it's a little bit of separation because of that. And, you know, everyone's dealing with their own things, but this has, I think, allowed us to, to become a lot closer. Becca, any comments on that? Yeah, I agree. I, I think it was, it's been just a gift to get to, to get to understand, you know, you, when, when someone you love deploys and they join the military and they, they go into a combat zone, there's, if your upbringing like, like ours was, you know, we had pretty much the same life experience up until that point. And then there's kind of a fork in the road and I can't follow Tom where he went. And that's a, that's a separation that, that will always be there. But in listening to his experiences and, and creating this, this book with him and the story, I, I was able to at least, um, I don't know, sort of get a, get that bird's eye overview of the path that he walked, even though I didn't get to go, to go with him. And I think what, what we've heard from folks who've read the book is that they, they've had a similar experience. You know, we hear from married couples where, you know, maybe the husband deployed and the wife says, well, I, now I understand why he acted that way. Now I understand why he wouldn't talk to me. Now I understand. And, you know, again, Tom, Tom is always careful to say that it's, you know, his story is his story and it's, it's not everyone's story, but, sure. uh, it does, it does seem to resonate with, with people. And it, it all goes back to um, his bravery and being open to talk about things that a lot of us um, aren't brave enough to talk about. Oh, definitely. And that's, uh, I'm very thankful for that. And yeah, Tom, uh, you know, you're, you're sharing your story. Uh, it's very inspiring. And I applaud you both for putting it into a book um, together. And then Tom uh, for the film, the trek, um, and then you're being open to sharing both your physical journey as well as your, your mental and, and it sounds like almost a spiritual journey as well. So, so thank you for that. Um, yeah. And now, now in the interest of time, um, I just have basically one more question or, or just one comment and it's not, it's not related to the book or the film and it's kind of something a little bit more uh, lighthearted. Um, Rebecca, it's about your Medium article, uh, an open letter from your shittiest friend. And it's not so much a question as just a, a statement. Um, I read that uh, article this morning in preparation for the show. And it's, uh, it's, it's so, well, for lack of a better term right now, just awesome. It is awesome. Uh, it really talks about the stresses that we put on ourselves in this day and age with time management, juggling, 
uh, job, juggling kids, juggling relationships, uh, and then and then having some space for yourself, which we very rarely give ourselves time for. So that's kind of tied back to this whole uh, being mindful and giving yourself time to give yourself time. Um, so uh, if, if you guys, uh, listeners, if you have a chance, check out an open letter from your shittiest friend on Medium uh, written by Rebecca. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It, I think it gives you an idea that you can cut yourself some slack. Life is hard. Uh, we all have the best of intentions to reach out to our best friends and our family, but sometimes that's just not feasible. So uh, that I'll just wrap it up in that little 30 45 second blurb. I definitely wanted to talk more about it, but I understand you guys are busy. So I'll, I'll let you go as guys go. So as we come to the end of the show, uh, what is it that we have not discussed that you want to make sure our listeners take away from today's episode? Yeah, I, I just think, um, you know, coming from the veteran standpoint, um, <clears throat> you know, you don't, don't have to let yourself get to rock bottom before, you know, you ask for help. And that's the only thing that allowed me to find and seek the help that I needed. And it's not necessary. You know, sometimes it is for some people, but, you know, you have to take uh, responsibility for your own healing. And um, one of the reasons uh, my VA um, experience wasn't uh, great was because I wasn't doing it for myself. I was doing it for my, my family, right? My sister wanted me to get help and I wanted my sister to be happy and I was doing it. I was going through the motions, but deep down, I really wasn't um, in a space of, I want to get better. I want to feel better um, and do this for myself. So um, I, I think it's really important to understand that, you know, we have to, we have to put all options on the table and we're all different people. We respond to different treatments, different, different ways. So whether that's, you know, nature-based therapies, you know, equine therapy, dealing with horses or, you know, peer support, uh, you know, all these different things or, you know, your traditional uh, clinical settings are also really beneficial too, because you have a third party that has no vested interest in, in what's going on, you know, in your world. So they're there to mirror back to you um, from a very, you know, um, standoff point of, of seeing what's, you know, going on in your life. So that can be very beneficial to have someone mirroring that back to you as well. So as far as, you know, seeking help, um, ask, ask the hard questions of yourself, ask the hard questions of other people, um, maybe uncomfortable for a little bit, but at the end, you know, we're all, we're all moving towards a place where, you know, we can have a little bit of peace uh, within us. And, and these are the, the steps I think we need to take to get there. And then for Rebecca, like people like Rebecca, you know, step up when you start seeing those you love, those you care about, who may be in a dark place, you know, step up and ask those questions. And even if you don't ask those questions, maybe uh, put a boot in their butt and get them to the, uh, the appointments that they need to get to. So uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show. If there's any, uh, if, if people wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, you can check out my website at themeditatingvet.com. Um, feel free to reach out through there or uh, I'm on social media as well. Right on. And then Rebecca? Yeah, you can probably just easier to contact Tom and he'll text me. Okay. <laughs> I think that's actually uh, how we ended up getting connected. I think I reached out to Tom via LinkedIn. I think it was a Military Times article um, that, uh, that had been posted and uh, reached out. And now I'm connected to both of you guys. So Again, thanks so much for being on the show. Tom, your story is, is phenomenal. Uh, I'm so glad that you, you were with us today, both of you. 
uh, for sharing the story, sharing the book. I'm definitely going to have to check out the book, share it with, uh, with my network, share it with uh, our organization, Veterans Path, and then uh, also check out the film. So the book is where, uh, when, where War Ends. Did I get that right? Where War Ends. Sorry, I don't have it right in front of me right now. And, uh, and the film is um, Almost Sunrise. So check out uh, Where War Ends and uh, Almost Sunrise. So again, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. And thanks for uh, <laughs> running through it when you have very little time, uh, Rebecca. So I very much appreciate you guys. And uh, I'll uh, wrap this up with a closing after you guys uh, are, are done with the, the recording. So thanks very much and have a great day. Thank you. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening to or watching our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or here on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives. 